Lebazo pregendes katele de brina katole de baba. Ligoga maya nanginge. Engele de mozotolo de brina katole de baba. Lega bajokolo de brina katole de baba. The entrance of God's word bringing light and clarity in the name of Jesus. Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, we rejoice that we have the privilege of coming before your word this morning humbly and respectfully. And we rejoice that we are found in you not having our own righteousness. Righteousness which is of the law, but righteousness which is of faith in Christ Jesus. And as we study your word this morning, as your word comes with clarity and with power, your people built up, equipped, edified, and decree that nobody is restricted or limited in their understanding. And, and I decree that the word of the Lord is glorified among us. And by the end of this service, your people equipped, built up, and Jesus glorified. Father, we give you praise for the blessing upon the service today. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle. To do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and all of you in Aquaibom State that are connected to the service live this morning on Comfort FM and XL FM. We're just excited that we're able to serve you the grace of God through the preaching of the, of the, of the Word of God. We want you to invite friends and family members, call some people on phone and ask them to tune into this radio station so that the life of God can be communicated to their spirit and to their understanding. And we want to appreciate all the house centers and everybody in the campuses around the world. It's a joy to have you in this last segment of the first part of 30 Days of Glory 2020. We are so excited. I tell you, we are so excited. Today is the end of part one. Tomorrow is the beginning of part two. The second phase of 30 Days of Glory is 60 Days of Glory that we know right now. We don't know where it will end, but for now, let's say 60 Days of Glory that runs right into September. Are you excited about it? Can we give the Lord a great shout in this service? Glory! Grab your pen, your notebook, and your Bible, and you can be seated with your sweet smart self. Let's get into the word this morning. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse number 15, we're still looking at the legal and vital work of salvation, and I'm laying just some few introductory, you know, part of that teaching to help us gain some perspective. And that from a child, there was none the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The next verse. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For instruction in righteousness. is the Greek word pedia. Pedia is where the English people got their word for pediatrics. It means to raise up a child by the way of the mouth. So instruction in righteousness, there is spiritual growth. So it takes the teaching of God's word to bring a man to a place of spiritual growth. Teaching of the word of God, not church activities. It takes the teaching of the word of God, not church activities. To bring a man to a place of spiritual growth. 
Now, the term faith in Christ was used by Brother Paul consistently in his letters. Through faith, salvation, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You will see Brother Paul use those words. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. Galatians chapter 3 verse number 26. For you are all the children of God, how? By faith in Christ Jesus. By faith in Christ Jesus. Which are able to make you wise unto salvation, how? Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 1 verse number 4. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And of the love which you have to all the saints. Faith in Christ Jesus. That is salvation. Colossians chapter 2 verse number 5. Colossians chapter 2 verse number 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit. Joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Your faith in Christ. So salvation is faith in Christ. Somebody says, no, no. Uh, what about conduct? You are not hearing. You are not hearing. Salvation is faith in Christ. Conduct saves nobody. Good behavior saves nobody. If good behavior saves, we don't need Jesus. Morality saves nobody. There is no salvation in morality. Your morality is only good for you. God doesn't need it. If God needed your morality, he will have made your morality the prerequisite for salvation. Matanaka. From Genesis to, to the end of the Bible, only faith in Christ saves. Abel by faith. Abraham by faith. Enoch by faith. Are we in the building? Moses by faith. Rahab the harlot by faith. Rahab the harlot by faith. Her harlotry in the sight of men disqualified her. Her faith in the sight of God qualified her. Genesis 15, 6. Observe. Genesis 15, 6. Who is on that computer? NS, go and check that place. Genesis 15, 6. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. What made him righteous? Faith. Romans chapter 4 verse, verse 3. Romans chapter 4 verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Next verse. Now to him that walketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. If you are using your conduct to qualify, you are paying a debt that you can never pay. Next verse. Next verse. But to him, glory to God, that walketh not, no conduct, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. The word ungodly means criminal. So he doesn't even have any morality, no conduct. The guy is a criminal, ungodly. Yet God justifies the ungodly. What happens to him? His faith, his faith is counted for righteousness. Watch the next verse. 
Now, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without conduct. Righteousness without works. Righteousness devoid of works has always been the standard for salvation from the beginning of time. Is, are you saying, are you, when people start saying, when you make a statement in scripture and people start saying, are you saying they are mischievous and dubious? They are not listening. They are trying to force words out of your mouth. And those are the kind of things the Bible calls foolish. And it says avoid. There are people, you mustn't answer everybody. You mustn't answer everybody. There are some people you just pretend you didn't see them. Pretend you didn't hear what they are saying. Let them wallow in the mire of their illiteracy. A man that wants to learn will learn with humility. But a man that knows not and knows not that he knows not is a fool. Ignore him. Are you saying, did you hear what I said? Because if you heard what I said, you wouldn't say, are you saying? That's why Jesus will ask them, are you also without understanding? Are you also without understanding? Salvation is faith in Christ. Period. I've read a number of scriptures for you, a plethora of them. So, salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Fundamentally, he used it in reference to believers. That is, those who have received salvation by faith. How? In the gospel of Christ. So, it is evident that salvation is through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, a man only receives salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, observe carefully what he said to Timothy in verse 15. He explained that the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures made Timothy wise unto salvation, which is through faith, which is in Christ. The question is, what did Paul mean by this statement? What did Paul mean by this statement? The phrase Holy Scriptures was translated from the Greek word Herios Grammar. Herios Grammar. Grammar depicts the meaning or understanding of what is written. While the word herios implies that which is sacred or set apart. So, herios grammar means what is written as sacred or what is written as set apart. Holy scriptures, herios grammar. What is written as sacred or set apart. And for those of you making notes, so that you don't write funny, the, the, the spelling of the word herios is H-I-E-R-R-E-R-O-S. H-I-E-R-O-S, Herios. Grammar is G-R-A-M-M-A, Grammar. So, Holy Scriptures was referring to specific writings and not every writing present or at that particular time. Specific writings. The word Abel was translated from the Greek word Dunamis, which are Abel, Dunamis. The word known was translated from the Greek word Eido, E-I-D-O. Eido means acquainted. It means to perceive. It means to be acquainted. You have known, you have become acquainted, or you have come to a place of appreciation. 
where you now appreciate by understanding the value. So you have placed a premium on the scriptures. You have known, you have appreciated or come to a place of valuing the scriptures that are able to make you wise. Now please pay attention. Paul's explanation was on teaching. This explains why he made the next statement. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. In other words, when a minister of the gospel, the man of God in verse 17, appreciates or is acquainted with the scriptures, he will be able to accurately explain Accurately, precisely explain the same. Salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Let me be honest with you, church. I do not listen to any preacher on any subject. And I mean this with every sense of responsibility. I don't care the the number of chains on the neck of the preacher or the collar. I don't care the size of his cap. I do not listen to anybody preach anything if I've not heard what he has to say on salvation. I do not listen to any preacher until I have heard what he has to say about salvation. Salvation is the basic fundamental. If a man can't teach salvation, he can't teach anything else. You can't trust him on anything else. That's that's fundamental. That's the message of the entire Bible. That's what opens the Bible and closes the Bible. Salvation. So if a man cannot handle salvation skillfully, you can't trust him on anything else. Please, this is very important. It follows for me. The man, the, 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 the theologian that I respect very deeply by the name E.W. Kenyon. E.W. Kenyon says a church, a denomination is known by its understanding of salvation. A denomination or a church is defined by its position on the subject of salvation. Soteriology, which is built on Christology, sets the premium or sets the environment or sets the premise on which Christianity thrives. So if a man cannot handle salvation, you can't trust him on anything else. Because if a man cannot recite A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, how can he make sentences? How can he make sentences? All sentences begin from that. Every teaching in the Bible begins from salvation. Do you know that every question people ask, all the questions they have asked me in the course of these 30 days of glory, every question they have asked me is salvation related. All. All. All the questions. Should a woman cover her head? Is salvation. The woman, should women wear trousers? Is salvation. When you understand salvation, you won't think of trousers. Trousers does not save. Whether you cover your hair or not, it doesn't save. In fact, you can stay naked. God will hear you. Your nakedness does not intimidate God. That's how he brought you to this world. You are not brought with clothes. Why do you wear clothes? So that people can be comfortable around you. That's why when you, when you pray in the bathroom naked, God answers. Because God is not intimidated by your nakedness. Am I complicating at all? So whether you cover or you don't cover, whether you wear or you don't wear, it's not for God. We are wearing for us. That's why when you are alone in your room, you don't wear anything. And it's not a sin. You are not hurting anybody. Because you are alone. Am I teaching here? So those things don't matter. But when people are taught wrongly, then they begin to set up a a code of ethics that are unscriptural and they use it as a barricade for their relationship with God. 
Bible says they put on themselves yokes, which even the fathers could not bear. Christ is simple. My yoke is easy. My body is light. Let nobody corrupt you from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. If I'm teaching, say I hear you. So all questions are salvation related. So if a man is grounded in the subject of salvation, he can navigate his way around the scriptures. So that's why a preacher must be skillful in communicating salvation. To the end that believers in the local church are stable, stable, established, matured, and they grow spiritually. Now the word, the phrase, make you wise, was translated from the Greek word sophizo. Sophizo is taken from Sophia. Sophizo implies wisdom. It is used for being smart, sophizo. Smart. And for those of you making notes, Sophizo is spelled as S-O-P-H-I-Z-O. Sophizo. It, it, it implies being smart, skillful, or clever. It does not refer to a talent or internet skill, but for something that is acquired. Acquired. Something acquired. So, the word Sophizo means you went through training and acquired this skill. Or you acquired this wisdom or you acquired this appreciation of the scripture. You have become skillful. You have become clever. This cleverness spoken of by Paul concerning Timothy same as a result or came as a result of his acquaintance with the scriptures. Timothy was very acquainted with the scriptures. So he had skill and wisdom. That is, he knew his way around the scriptures. He knew his way around the scriptures. It was taken from the word Sophia. Sophia implies insight. It goes beyond an, an awareness. It, it, is, it refers, Sophia refers to skillfulness. Therefore, Timothy is skillful. Or Timothy's skillfulness is seen in the way he was able to accurately teach from the scriptures. Remember, the scriptures is Genesis to Malachi. When a preacher is able to teach from Genesis to Malachi's salvation, he knows what he's doing. Genesis to Malachi. Because when he was writing to Timothy in the book of Timothy, there was no book of Timothy. It is what he wrote that now became book of Timothy. So, he was making reference to the Old Testament. Are you still in the building? Now, so Timothy not only had an understanding of what was written, he also could skillfully explain and communicate the same. The same. Then there's another phrase, Holy Scriptures, Herios Grammar. So since Herios Grammar refers to the meaning or the understanding of sacred or set apart writings, Paul was not just referring to any or every, you know, every writing in existence in that time. He wasn't referring to all the books. He wasn't referring to all books. He was rather referring to a specific, particular set of writings. So, what writings could Paul have been referring to? The context explains it. From a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. The preposition through, between the words salvation and faith. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation through. That preposition through in the above implies on the account of salvation on the account of faith on the account of it or salvation on the basis on the basis of faith which is in Christ Jesus in essence Paul referred to specific writings 
that speak of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That is the theme of these writings. Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now he further explains this in the next verse. Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Please stay with me. The phrase all scripture was translated from the Greek word pasagraphe. Pasagraphe. If for those of you making notes, it's P-A-S-S-A. Pasagraphe. G-R-A-P-H-E. Pasagraphe, while grammar refers to the meaning or understanding of what is written. Graphe refers to the writing itself. Grammar, the understanding of what is written. Graphe, the writing itself. So, all scripture or all writings, all the writings are given by inspiration of God. Alright? Timothy, you, you have known the holy scriptures, meaning you have understood the holy scriptures. Then he now says, all the writings, all writings, all the writings are given by inspiration. So, the writing itself, phrase, given by inspiration of God, was translated from the Greek compound word, Theophanitus. Theophanitus. For those of you writing, T-H-E-O-P-N-E-U-S-T-O-S. Theophanitus. Was derived from Theo... And finitus. Theo is used for God. While finitus means to inspire something. Or to breathe into something. So God breathed into something. God does not inspire himself. God inspires somebody. Okay. So God breathed on somebody to write. It's not God that wrote the scriptures. But the people that wrote the scriptures wrote the scriptures by the breath of God. Alright? So God breathed or God inspired. Alright? God inspired the man who wrote the scriptures. Please pay attention. Now, so it is used to prompt an action or to make another do something. To prompt an action or to make another do something. In other words, God did not write the scriptures. Rather, he inspired the act of writing or he inspired the documentation of the scriptures. In other words, the subject of salvation in scripture must be situated around this inspiration. That is, it is, is the light of salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And Paul made similar statements in his letter to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. Please put it up. Romans chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. Separated unto the gospel of God. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures. Concerning his son Christ. Jesus Christ our Lord. Which was made of the seed of David according to. To the flesh. Romans chapter 16 verse 26. Romans chapter 16 verse 26. But now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets. 
according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. The word scriptures in the two texts we just read was translated from the same Greek word graphe. So the term holy scriptures or sacred writings, grammar, refers to the written or documented graphe, utterances of the prophets. It was documented from the utterances of the prophets. The prophets spoke so it could be written. It was written because it was spoken. They spoke so it can be written. It was written so it can be spoken. Please pay attention. Alright, so the prophets, they prophesied and what they prophesied was documented. This utterances of the prophets is concerning the promise of God. Fulfilled, glory to God, by the resurrection of his son. By the resurrection of his son. And it can now be found in the books from Genesis to Malachi. That means the promise of the resurrection of Jesus that was prophesied by the prophets was documented in the books Genesis to Malachi. So those prophecies concerning the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow is the substance of the documentation of the Old Testament. Is the substance of the documentation of the Old Testament. Alright, please pay attention. This is very important. In other words, salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus, is the subject matter. The subject matter. That is the message of the scriptures. Salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And the subject of salvation is centered on the person of Jesus. The subject of salvation is not centered on your efforts. The subject of salvation is not centered on your conduct. The subject of salvation is not centered on your good behavior. Mm -mm. The subject of salvation is centered on the person of Jesus who is the sotar who provided soteria. He is the sotar, the savior who made salvation available. The person of Jesus. Look in the synoptic account recorded that Jesus did a study through the scriptures with his disciples. And what was the end point of that study? Luke 24, 25. Luke 24, 25. And he said unto them, O fools, slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? And to enter into his glory, look at the end point. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, major and minor prophets of the Old Testament, he expounded the word diharmonia interpreted unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Notice the phrase, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Which clearly shows that the utterances of the prophets carried a specific report. The utterances of the prophets carried a specific report which made faith available in the Old Testament. You didn't hear that. The utterances of the prophets carried a specific report 
within their utterances which made faith available in the Old Testament. The utterances of the prophets carried a specific message which made faith available in the Old Testament. This was only in scolding his disciples. He said, slow of heart to believe the word faith. To believe the word faith. Now, when he said in verse 25, all that the prophets have spoken, he was not referring to everything that the prophets spoke. Because he explained what he implied by all that the prophets spoke. In verse 26, the all was, ought not Christ. So all streamlined. All streamlined to, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory, meaning that the volumes of 39 books, Jesus took it, collapsed the entire 39 accounts into two sentences. That the only gist of those books is two sentences. That the gist of the entire 39 books, volumes upon volumes, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, Isaiah, all collapsed just two sentences. Christ will suffer. Out of his suffering, glory will follow. And that is the most comprehensive account of the scriptures. Every other account in the scripture, you won't find full details. You won't find. Because the Bible is not a historical data of how the world evolved. So you won't find the complete details of how the world evolved. The Bible is not a book that gives you account of, you know, how human beings multiplied. That's why you won't find the wife of Cain written anywhere. Yet he married a wife. The Bible does not carry all those data. What is comprehensive, accurate, precise... And what is holistic in the documentation of the books is the height of the climax or the climax of the message, which is the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. Those are, that is the only thing we have the details of in the scripture. Comprehensive, complete details of. Why? Because the Bible is the book of Jesus. The Bible is the book of Jesus. Hence, the message of the prophets. Are you still in the building? The message of the prophets that made faith available in the Old Testament was everything they said concerning Christ, the sufferings of Christ, and the glory that will follow. There is a word there expounded in Luke 24. The word expounded implies to interpret. To interpret means to give meaning to or to explain thoroughly across. Jesus explained thoroughly across. He didn't cross over. He wasn't speaking parables. After his resurrection, he explained across. Before his resurrection, he crossed over. Because they couldn't handle. Now, so he went across. He was, you know, he, it was used historically to interpret signs and symbols. It is the opposite of having an opinion. Bible teaching is not having an opinion. Bible teaching is explaining the intent and the content of the author of the book. Also, please pay attention. 
In essence, Jesus explained across all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, the center point, the focus, and the arrival point of explanation. You didn't hear that. The focus and the arrival point of Bible explanation. The focus and the destination of Bible explanation was himself. His sufferings and the glory that will follow. His sufferings and the glory that shall follow. Therefore, the statement, salvation through faith in Christ Jesus is synonymous to the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. Peter explained the same truth in his epistle. First Peter chapter 1 verse 10. First Peter chapter 1 verse number 10. Are you still in the building? First Peter chapter 1 verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. They prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching, next verse, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Testified beforehand. Thus, it is evident that the utterances of the prophets that made faith available were things they said concerning Christ. What concerning Christ? His sufferings and the glory that shall follow. It therefore suffices to say that faith was present in the Old Testament. Abel by faith. Abraham by faith. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. So how did Abraham hear the gospel? God preached to Abraham. How do we know that? Galatians 3, 8. Galatians 3, verse 8. Put it up for me. Galatians. And the scripture foreseen that God will justify the hidden through faith. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying, In this shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And when Abraham heard, he believed. And when he believed, it was counted to him for righteousness. Faith devoid of works is righteousness. Faith in Christ devoid of works is righteousness. You didn't hear that. Faith in Christ, the void of works, is righteousness. So in the Old Testament, the message of faith was present. This is why Paul explained clearly in his letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 1, verse number 3 and 4, pay attention. Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Next verse. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection from the dead. So there were men in that dispensation who exercised faith in the gospel. The promise Paul gave, an example of such is in chapter 4. I mean talking about Abraham. He did nothing. He just believed that it was credited to him for righteousness. <laughs> so unto him that walketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is logizomai, accounted for righteousness. You're righteous not because of what you did or what you didn't do. You're righteous because you believe in what Jesus has done. Let me ask all of you. Did Jesus do enough? Did he do enough? Are you sure he's enough? 
Wait, are you sure that what Jesus did is enough? So if what Jesus did is credited to your account, is that enough? Yes. Let me ask again. Did what Jesus did, was it enough? Is enough for me? Is enough? That man of Calvary is enough for me. You remember those songs? Oh, is enough for me? Is enough? Yeah, is enough. If what he did is enough, so what happens? The moment you believe in what he did, what he did legally is transferred to your account. And if what he did is enough, it means there's nothing more for you to add to what he did. You don't understand. Somebody say, are you saying yes? I'm saying. <laughs> did what Jesus did, is he enough? Does Jesus need to come and do more? Are you sure it's enough? The moment you believe what happens, all that he did is transferred as if you are the one who did it. Do you understand? That's why it's called substitutionary. So the moment it's transferred to your account, there's nothing more to you, for you to do to please God. All now you are required to do is to find out what has been transferred to your account. How do you find that out? Bible study. What is that called? Spiritual growth. So as you begin to find out what is yours, what do you, what happens? You start working in the reality of it. As you are finding out, you are working in the reality of it. You find out you are righteous, you walk righteous. You find out you are holy, you walk holy. You find out that you are anointed, you walk anointed. You find out that you have access to answered prayer, you start praying and collecting answers. You find out that you are in charge of all demons. Satan and his demons are under your foot. You start giving them instructions. You find out that all things are yours that Christ has provided. You start enjoying. Why? Because you are growing. God is not going to add to what he has done. Mm -mm. It is only you that will grow to realize what is yours. Am I teaching here? That's why we're in church this morning. So I can teach you what belongs to you, so you can enjoy what is yours and walk in the reality of it. Somebody shout, I hear you. Now, so he repeated the same truth in his letter to the Galatians. The same truth. In both instances, both in Romans chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 3, he quoted and explained that faith in Christ is righteousness. Faith in Christ is righteousness. Now, in the last few weeks, we began to look at several things. We have seen the atonement, which today is explained to us in the epistles as the reconciliation. The reconciliation of God with man. How God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. Please pay attention. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses. That statement is so radical that it was one of the statements that jolted me. It woke me up, that statement. When I read it, when I was transiting from works and self-righteousness and all that, this is one of those statements that jolted me. The first one was Romans 5.13. Sin was in the world, but it was not imputed where there is no law. Then to scatter the whole thing for me, this one came alive. That God is not imputing Trespasses on anybody. You didn't hear that. 
That is, that God is not holding anybody on earth accountable for sin. That's radical. Religious people would rather tear that verse. They can't stand it. It's too hot. That is, that God is not holding anybody responsible for sin. Why? He held Christ responsible. For him to hold you means God is a criminal. Because you can't punish two people for the same crime. So since Christ has been punished, you are acquitted and discharged without prejudice. I don't know if I'm communicating at all. So because Christ has been punished, no man is held accountable. He said it's not imputing, put it up for me, it's not imputing their sins, trespasses unto them. That God in Christ, his mission is to reconcile the world. And you know, in a reconciliation, if you really want to reconcile, you must overlook things. If you really want to reconcile with somebody, you must be ready to let go rights. Because when you tell him, I don't like one, two, he will tell you, me too, I don't want one, two, three, four, five. And because you want the reconciliation, you tell him, okay, no problem. And in most cases, in some homes, it's the husband that is always letting go. And in some homes, it's the wife that is letting go. You know, you know. Sometimes the man will say, okay, sorry, my darling. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I say I'm sorry now. Let there be peace. Even though the man knows that the wife is the one that is responsible. He's hard to have the problem. But let's have peace. Let's say, it's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Case finished. Life continues. And sometimes it's the woman that will apologize. My darling, I'm sorry. You. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. Please overlook and forgive me. It's just say that there can be peace. Because when you want reconciliation, you don't hold on to rights. God wanted reconciliation with man. So you know what God did? God took the place of the offender. God said, okay, you have done all the evil. Come out, step aside. Bam, you step there. God said, I step in your place. I am the one. He became sin. He didn't just carry sin. He became sin personified. Jesus and sin became one. So that you and righteousness can become one. Glory to God. I don't know if somebody is understanding what I'm teaching here. It's called substitutionary sacrifice. He's not imputing. He's not accrediting sin on anybody. Why? He wants reconciliation. Even in the village, elders in the village will tell a woman, my daughter, anything your husband talk, just tell him sorry. We know he's a bad man. We already know, but please, anything he talk, tell him sorry. Sure, you want to go back to your house? Anything. The husband says, stupid woman. Yes, sir, I'm very sorry, I'm so stupid. Uh, idiotic woman. In fact, if they say anything better than idiot, that's what I am. I'm sorry. Let there be peace. That's reconciliation. That God decided to reconcile. So God decided to assume the state of the offender and took the punishment. And the moment you believe in what Christ has done, you are no more an offender. You enter into his righteousness. You become the righteousness of God by faith. The righteousness of God how? By faith. Faith where? Faith in Christ. You become his righteousness. It's not an act. It's not an attitude. It's not a performance. It's not a behavior. And there are people that can't take it because religion has finished their brains. It's not about performance. It's faith in Christ. 
And let me tell you, born again is not character modification. Born again is not renovation of the old man. Born again is not an improvement on the old man. Uh -uh. Born again is a brand new life that comes into you. That has his character and his charisma. So now as you grow in the knowledge, that life begins to find expression. That's what it means to be born again. It's not a set of do's and don'ts. It's not the things I used to do. I do them no more. The places I used to go. I go there no more, which is a lie. It's a lie. The places you used to go included your work. The places you used to go included market. And you're still going there. Is it not true? Oh, which is a lie. You still go to most of the places you used to go. The fact that you don't go to some doesn't mean you're not going to others. So Christianity is not the things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Christianity is a brand new life of God that requires you to grow in so that it can manifest maximally and swallow the totality of you. That's what Christianity is. It's not trying to be a nice guy. And then in the afternoon you behave nice. In the night you behave like the devil that you are. Hypocrisy. That's not Christianity. Christianity is you accept who you are you accept who God has made you. You walk like that while you're looking at the scriptures. And as you're looking, you are changing. So there's no hypocrisy. You're just yourself. And when you change, it is for real. You're not a pretender. I'm not communicating at all. And the power of the word of God is able to bring that change. As you keep looking, that change comes. And that change becomes permanent. Am I teaching good this afternoon? Now, so the day of atonement reveals to us God's reconciliation for us. The first and the second goat, remember the two goats, we have done a bit of study on that. You will discover that the atonement dealt with relationship. The atonement dealt with relationship. It dealt with reconciliation. The blood that was offered in heaven, how Christ became the high priest, that blood dealt with our relationship and our fellowship with God. It dealt with our relationship and our fellowship with God. Of course, there's no difference between relationship and fellowship. Relationship is fellowship. Fellowship is relationship. They are not two things. It's one thing. Our fellowship is our relationship. Fellowship means to partake of something. Relationship is to be something. Same thing. To partake or to be is the same thing. We are partakers of the divine nature. We are partakers. First Peter, I mean Second Peter, chapter 1 verse 4. Second Peter, Chapter 1, verse 4. Wherefore, or whereby, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by this, glory to God, that by this ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. You are a partaker of the divine nature. Every believer is a partaker. We are called to fellowship. First Corinthians 1 9. Every believer is called to fellowship because that call is salvation. God is faithful by whom you were, were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You've been called unto fellowship. Our fellowship is with God and with one another. First John chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. First John chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. That which we have seen and have declared unto you 
that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Next verse. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full when you know that you are in a fellowship with God that can never be broken. You are in fellowship or relationship with God that can never be broken. So our fellowship is our relationship. Our fellowship and relationship is the same thing. Fellowship means to partake with God and we have already, we already partook with God. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. First Corinthians 6 17. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. He that is joined unto the Lord. That is a union that cannot be broken. That is you and God. Look at me everybody. You've been intertwined. You have come into a fusion where there is no difference. You can't remove me and you can't remove God. We are so fused that there's no difference between me and God. It's a fusion. You have been fused into one another. That is why you are one spirit. You are now one. You are not two. You have entered him. He has entered you. And in entering one another, you are now an entity. I and the Lord, one spirit. No difference. No inferior, no superior. I am in him, he is in me. Am I communicating at all? His authority is my authority. Where he is seated, I am seated. What he is, I am. What he can do, I can do. Why? We are joined into one spirit. So, our fellowship with God is our relationship. Our relationship is our fellowship. We are partakers of the divine nature. We have escaped corruption. We have escaped corruption. Now, the atonement deals with that relationship. The atonement. What Jesus did for us. It deals with that relationship and that fellowship. So we have fellowship with God. We have peace. Romans 5.1 Therefore, 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 put it up. Therefore, and brother Copeland says, when you see therefore, find out what it is therefore. Therefore, being justified we will not be justified. We are already justified. It's past tense. Being justified by faith. Not by conduct. By faith. We have peace. The word peace there is not sister peace. The word peace there is the Greek word Irene. I-R-I-E-N-E. Irene means union. We have union with God. Justification made us united with God. We have union or peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Jesus unifies man and God in salvation. Jesus unifies man and God in salvation. Jesus unifies man and God in salvation. We have union with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access into this grace wherein we stand. Hallelujah. We stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God. We are united with God. We are in union with God. And whatever God does for Jesus, he does for me. 
Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Me too. Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Demons could not resist Jesus. Me too. Wherever I walk into, Jesus just walked in there. And demons cannot resist him. Why? He lives in me. Why? I am living in in him. Why? His is mine. Why? Mine is his. Why? Where he is, I am. Why? Where I am, he is. Why? When you see me, you see him. Why? When you see him, you see me. We are intertwined. We are in a fusion. The Greek word sukkatizo. Sukkatizo means you will never find one without the other. Wherever I am, he is. Wherever he is, I am. Am I teaching good? Please, are you hearing what I'm explaining? That's your reality in Christ. That's your reality in Christ. And if that is too hard for you to swallow, pray in the spirit for at least three days. Then look at it again. Then you find out that, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah, that's my reality. Yeah, that's what Christ has made out of me. I am with him. You know, Isaiah 53 verse 6, as I begin to round up, are you blessed? Isaiah 53 verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of some of us. What does he say? Us all. Where is our iniquity? Is on Jesus. God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Have turned everyone to his own way. What is common to us is not conduct. God didn't lay on Jesus our conduct. He laid on Jesus our iniquity. Because in conduct, our conduct differs. What is common among all of us is iniquity. Which is the sin nature. Because some of us here, you don't lie. When it comes to lie, you would rather die than lie. But some of us here, you lie without thinking. Okay? But you cannot steal. Even if the thing is hungry in you, you can't touch it. In that area of conduct, you have strength. The other person does not lie, but he can steal. Even with your eyes open, he can steal something from your hand. He has developed a level of skill. So, we all have different conducts, true or false. I say true or false. We all have different conducts. Some of you, if you see alcohol, your body cannot be normal. You must drink it and be stupid before you are happy. And some of us, when you see alcohol, you vomit. It doesn't attract you. Some of us here, you know, different conduct. All of us have different conducts. So our conducts differ. That is not our unifying point. However, sin nature is in all of us. So what God laid on Jesus was not our conduct. Was our sin nature. He put on him the iniquity, the sin nature. That's why he became sin. So we can become righteous by nature. It is the nature of righteousness that eventually produces the conduct of righteousness. Just like the nature of sin produces the conduct of sin. So what God changes is not the branches, it's the root. If the root is good, it's a matter of time. It will affect the fruit. Are we teaching here? If you're hearing me say, I hear you. So what happens to a man is that that nature called sin is changed. That man becomes righteous and begins to walk in righteousness. The Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. 
As I close, Second Corinthians 5.21. Brother Paul got that Second Corinthians from that Isaiah 53. For he hath made him to be seen for us. Who knew no sin? God laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what he means here. That we might be made the righteousness of God. Where? In Christ. Somebody shouted very loud. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to say it one more time because Satan hates to hear it. So I want him to hear it like a hammer on his head. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Now shout it very loud. I am righteous. Now stand on your feet and say louder. I am as righteous as Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. What you are saying is very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. So I want you to be serious and mean what you say. Satan can't stand that. That has been Satan's fight all of your lifetime. To ensure that you never become righteous. And that is why Jesus died to make you righteous. Now you believe in Jesus automatically you're righteous. Say it again one more time. I am as righteous as Jesus. Right now. Say it again right now. Say right now, I stand before God as righteous as Jesus. No record of sin on my account. Jesus bore my sins. I bear his righteousness. He bore my sin. I bear his righteousness. He did not manage my sin. He radically took my sin. I do not manage his righteousness. I radically enjoy righteousness. Now shout it one more time. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Go ahead and celebrate it this afternoon. Glory! 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 Amen. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice this afternoon. Revelation knowledge continues to increase and light continues to shine and mindsets continue to be corrected and thought patterns that contradicted Christ are being corrected. Clarity is coming. Your people are growing. Ministers are being raised. Believers are being raised. Disciples are being equipped. And above all, Jesus is made manifest. And I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. The revelation of Jesus grows big on your inside until nothing else matters. We rebuke sickness and disease. Your body be healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. In two minutes, I'll be joining Mr. Michael Bush. By the way, he's already in the studio with me. Good to have you this morning. We'll be answering questions and opening up the phone lines. And you can call us from all over the world. It's going to be an exciting time this afternoon. But before that, I've been announcing from last Sunday that today will be the end of the first phase of 30 Days of Glory. Tomorrow begins the next phase of 30 Days of Glory. This is the first time we're doing this. Are you excited about it? It's gonna be, I'm telling you, we're gonna have a, we're gonna, we're gonna have a blast. I'm telling you. Alright, so, because of that, we've been, I've been speaking in the course of the week that you should prepare a special offering to help support the next 30 days. It's costing us several millions, believe me. Several millions. Now, okay. We want you to support so you make it easy, so we can do much more. We can do much more. You know, if you give us a lot of support, I don't mind doing 30 days of glory for one year. If I have all the support. You know, I don't mind doing it, okay? Because that's what we're here for. That's what life is all about. 
bringing men to the truth of the gospel. Is that true? That's what it's all about. So if you support us, we just keep going and we go as much as we can go. Believe me. And I know you can. And I know you will. And I know you have already made up your mind to support. Because this is our collective assignment. Like I said to the people in the first service. Remember that, you know, the will of God is for us to get the world to come to the light. The Bible says this is the true light that lighted every man that cometh into the world. God cannot come down and do it. He has left it for us to do. And it takes money to do it. I want you to make up your mind to make your money a missionary. Where you cannot go, your money can get there with the gospel. And remember, God is not unrighteous to forget the labor of love. Every time you give up your personal desires to support the kingdom, every time you sacrifice to support the kingdom, it goes a long way to make an impact on people. It's very important. Some of you may want to pay for a radio broadcast for one month. Some of you may want to help us pay for TV. Some of you may want to help us pay for other things that takes a lot of money in the ministry. And anybody who wants to do that, all you need to do is shoot me a mail with your number and I'm going to call you. Anybody who wants to support one aspect or the other. And then everybody else, we want you to give generously and we want you to give meaningfully today. We're taking just one offering for this. And I trust God that your heart is already prepared by the Lord to give. Some of you, right now, you want to give towards the partnership and you want to also give a one-time offering to 30 Days of Glory for the next one month. Alright, so there are banking details scrolling on the screen both for those online and on television. If you're watching in an area where no account is relevant to you, if you shoot me a mail, like some people did in the first service, Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com, if you shoot me an email, we will send you an account that is relevant to your location. But I believe God that every one of us understands the value of what we're doing in eternity. The value of it. You know, when God gave Israel favor, they came out of Egypt with silver and gold. When people do not understand the purpose for money, they can make money an idol and worship it. On their way to the promised land, since they didn't understand why they came out of Egypt with plenty of money, they made a golden calf and began to worship it. When people don't understand the purpose for money, they start worshiping the money. Two things ask for worship from you, God and money. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. You've got to make up your mind to use mammon to serve God. I'm going to use money to serve God. I'm not going to serve money. Money is a bad master, but a good servant. Bad master, good servant. I'm going to use money to serve God. How do you do that? By understanding that the reason why God gives money, apart from other things, is to build tabernacles. Because after they built the golden calf, later on God said to Moses, command the children of Israel to take from that offering, that money that I gave them favor to make, and build me a tabernacle. So the purpose for money is for the building of tabernacles. How do you build tabernacles today? This physical building is not a tabernacle. When I preach on radio, preach on TV, preach online, and preach around the world, and people come to the light, people accept the gospel. The moment they accept the gospel, a tabernacle is built. You know, the other day I was sharing with you people, somebody wrote me a letter from Equatorial Guinea. He said, I'm a Muslim. I'm a Muslim. But I just like the way you talk about Jesus Christ. So I started watching you. Now I'm convinced. Please call me and lead me to Christ. I want Christ to enter my heart. Nobody physically talking to him. But your money through television reached him right in his room. And the tabernacle was built for God. And there are many all over the world that are coming to the light. Because people are giving. People like you. People like you in this building. People like you in the house centers and campuses. We may not know you. But Jesus knows you. And he's the rewarder. Oh yes, it's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. So I'd like you to package an offering today. Let's worship God with our monies. Let's give for the advancement of the kingdom. And let's give for the work of Christ. I told you it's going to be one offering. So if you're giving both partnership, 
giving for 30 days of glory. If you are making a check, make it in the name of Power City International or Abel Damina Ministries. Those of you listening on radio, uh, Mr. Michael Bush, I almost said Dr. Michael Bush. Mr. Michael Bush is going to read, <laughs> he's having a lot of titles. He's going to read for you the banking details when I hook up with him in another one or two minutes in the studio. I'd like you to lift up your offerings and lift up your commitments towards 30 days of glory and lift up everything you are giving today, your partnership, and I'm going to pray for everybody, both in this house and around the world. Father, we thank you for the privilege of giving and honoring what Christ has done for us. Honoring the finished work, honoring the labor of this ministry, honoring our collective vision to reintroduce Jesus to this generation. Thank you for everyone whose hearts you have stirred up to give. Everyone giving up, giving sacrificially. Everyone depriving themselves in order for the kingdom to advance. You are not unrighteous to forget their labor of love. Therefore, as we give towards the cause we believe in, we give towards evangelism, global evangelism. We thank you that our offerings are a sweet smell. And I pray for every partner. I pray for every friend. I pray for every member of this ministry given to them. That God is able to make all grace abound towards you. You always have all sufficiency in all things. You abound unto every good work. You lack nothing. You have everything supplied. You have everything provided. And in the name of Jesus, I decree that your needs are met according to his riches in glory. Thank you, Father, for blessings. Thank you, Lord, for miracles this week. And thank you for favors. Father, we give you praise for the privilege to honor what Christ has done. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Are you excited this afternoon? Glory to God. Now, so you make sure you, you know, respond to us online and everybody. And don't go away. I'm joining Mr. Michael Bush in the next few seconds. And we will come to you by way of question, answers, and phone calls. We love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your minutes until I see you at the other studio.